Welcome to another episode of the Soul Talk Podcast. First double-digit episode, and of course, back at it with another bi-weekly recap. Need a better intro for sure. I got dudes clowning me for the average Joe intro, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. This is, of course, your host, and let's get into it. I have some interesting things to talk about this episode. I know the last recap episode wasn't the best, but, you know, I'm here ironing out the flaws in front of you guys. I hope through the last episodes that would guess you have seen somewhat of an improvement there and at least the flow of the conversation and things like that. Personally, I see little improvements and far from being where I want to be, but, you know, it's cool to see those improvements and being able to identify those mistakes and not doing them again. I obviously have much more to work on, but as everyone knows, it's developed with time and experience. Again, just cool being in that and seeing that work. Uh, I want to first and foremost thank the previous guests of the guest episodes. Don't think I thank them here yet, but if I did whatever, thank you again to the two most previous guests, Michael and Jordan. Two both great conversations. I love their stories and I'm finding ways at the moment to convert their stories and things we talked about for more feasible content for the average consumer. If you liked any of those episodes, let me know what you liked. My favorite thing is to ask people I see in person that, you know, mention the podcast or an episode. This, what was your favorite part? I truly want to know because I think it's really cool to see what sticks with people. And that's the most important thing. So additionally, if you have any questions, concerns, offerings, um, hit me up again. Always open to answer any questions. Let's get on to the episode. So for me in these past two weeks, I want to highlight school because obviously I'm in school. And even though I'm not for being in school, as you may tell, you have to make the best of your time wherever you're at, right? So I picked classes that were the most interesting to me this semester or whatever. And one of those was uh, race and critical thinking. I want to talk about something my professor had said during class that stuck with me. For context, this class is Chicana and Chicano Studies. I took this class because of the requirement and I picked it out of the others available because let's say I like something that applies more thinking and less BS. (laughs) So learning about people like Angela Davis and her trial, obviously an important person in history, but a person you wouldn't hear in the school's curriculum. I never heard of her until I was, you know, a little older, basically after that time where In school, they teach you about people like Martin Luther King. The professor went on to explain that it's intentional with being that way. People like Angela Davis and Malcolm X, to name a few, embody things and ideologies that are seen by the government as too risky and having others believe in, and why you won't hear much about them through the public eye. Going against religion or that of ideologies that that is instilled in most of society. You will see that they put individuals like Martin Luther King on a pedestal and be embodied as an image because He's a Christian man, and thus he's considered a safe man to the society that people in high chairs in our society would approve of, because they don't want people to think out of that box, or think for themselves rather, because that ideology leads to walking lines of reconstruction in our society, which of course people at the top don't want. Anyways, I feel like the professor does a great job of connecting dots, and thus comes the element of critical thinking. Another topic was gender balance in the society or business. I won't get too much into that, but basically women and men are wired differently. And when I hear that, I used to say, you know, like, whatever. But we watched a video that broke down why that is the case. And that really opened my mind of how important that really is. Anyways, let's switch topics here and move on to that NFT space. Obviously, the talk of the business world at the moment. And uh, if you know anything about it, it has been a jam-packed few weeks for the space. Highlighted by the production company in Yuga Labs, owners of the famously known Board API Club, acquiring projects CryptoPunks and MeBits. I know a lot of people covered this topic as it was big news in the past week, so I don't want to get too much into that, But because at this point it's old news, but I wanted to give my two cents about it. 
I try to keep tabs on the space because it's definitely an interest point for me, but I haven't gotten into a real project myself until that of this week or last week, which I'll get into here shortly. Anyways, hearing others and their opinion on this move, I took away two things, one of my own and one from a fellow podcast, as I mentioned on the IG, overpriced JPEGs. Carly, host of the podcast, made a really good point, I feel, on a recent episode and that she wanted to see when the so-called bigger company goes out and basically buys out other projects like you would in any other business space. Take out the competition, if you will, and make it their own. She made a tweet like that a few months before this happened and mentioned it on a recent episode. And by no means did I think anyone expected this move this past week. Very big move in that, and in my opinion, not the best move for the public. You now have a giant production company owning two biggest projects in the space, that of punks and apes, along with the Meebits as well, but you could say they're at least to worry about here. Being sharked, if you will, by this company now makes it extremely difficult to have a diversity amongst projects. And I'll get into what that means, but for context, punks were a project that did not provide utility. However, apes did. Both grew to be big, but both in their own separate ways. When you go into their dynamics, they are two very different projects and what they provide. I see the punks almost as a god or the North Star to NFTs because they were somewhat of the OG and have gained respect that way through the space. I know a lot of punk holders were not too fond of the previous punk owners and that of Larva Labs because near the end of their time owning the project, they tried to completely change the dynamics of the project. It's kind of hard to see a project that goes for millions of dollars and yet to have any utility in the real world. But I want to highlight a guest that actually came on the Overpriced JPEGs podcast as well. He said that he bought his punk not for any utility, even though most could never justify that expense, again, especially for something that basically does nothing. That was re reasoning. So when they tried to create some sort of utility in the weeks before ultimately selling their company rights, they got a lot of backlash from his holders as it went against what was said in the contract of the project. Funny that they sold their company shortly after, and not too sure if that had anything to do with it or why they ended up selling it, but I'm sure that move had some push with that. Now being under one umbrella, it will be interesting to see what Yuga Labs does with punks. Either way they go, they risk tarnishing the existing brand and crypto punks, in my opinion. And I feel like they are now in the backseat of apes, now with the apes coming out with their own coin and ape coins, which basically is a DAO for all those projects. Don't want to get too much into that side, but shortly after the buyout, Yuga made their currency, ApeCoin. I really hope that Yuga gives its respect to the punks and what they've done for the space and put them as that North Star, as I described before, however they were to do that. But obviously creating apes, they want that to be the top project, and rightfully so. But I think that will negatively affect not only the punks, but all projects in that matter. Again, that's just my opinion. So. To sum up my two cents, seeing other companies go and acquire other projects is definitely cool and seeing the space grow to have sharks like that already is a sign of a healthy market. Because you have to understand, even with all the money the Yuga Labs have made with their A project, they spend an immense amount of that money acquiring these two projects, showing confidence in that of being able to somehow return that money in due time, but also shining light on knowing things that I think the public have yet to find out. And how diversity is important in the space and that sharks and in industries don't always lead to the best outcome. But hey, there are a lot of NFT projects out there. I would just like to see smaller acquisitions rather than bigger acquisitions at the moment. Additionally, everyone has gotten hyped about their recent commercial, and I want to recap that here too because it's a big sign as to what might come. I think it was a cool little spiel, if you will, too. Please feel free to skip over this part because this will be a bit of a ramble, especially if you have no clue what I'm talking about. So let's get into it. 
So you're first seeing the Basie house, if you will. I love the idea of hiding the messages. And right out the gate, you have a neon sign that says FOMO. Thanks for reminding me of when I was debating on buying a mutant ape. Then you see an ape fishing next to a lagoon on the porch. How ironic, right? He's just chilling, smoking, trying to catch a fish. And he catches a liquor bottle and said, that says, drink me. The ape's like, fuck it. Chugs that thing. And then a second later, he's like, oh shit. Something erupts in front of him like a volcano or something. I don't know what this was shadowing at, like a secret potion or just being high. Anyways, the ape proceeds to ape out, seeing the world basically erupt around him. As like any person would, he lights another cigar. And then shortly greeted, or should I say hung up by its button-up collar, by what looks to be an angel. And is flown throughout this world by its collar. Casually gets dropped into the lava cracks, only to be picked up by it again. And then it's like out of that universe and comes the interesting part where a submarine is floating in the air, but it looks to be in water. And then comes out of that layer to be revealed as its drivers, as a punk, a mutant ape, a mebit, cool cat, a world of women, just to name a few. And then shortly swerve off, which is seen to be controlled by the cool cat. So basically a ton of encrypted messages, but the biggest message to take away here and it's clearly visible is that other projects not even owned by Yuga will be included in what they create in the near future, that of their metaverse. And that swerve by the cool cat, yeah, that had a great effect for its holders in that of pumping two ETH or $6,800 roughly at the time of recording, which is just wild. They continue by traveling this world together. I mean, what a commercial. That's all for the ape part of things. Let's talk about my recent NFT purchase. This weekend, I bought my first real NFT. Well, first NFT that's not a moment or secondary market purchase, a mint, which if you don't know what that is, basically a spot on the project's release, being able to buy the product for essentially retail price, hence it's referred to as a whitelist. The project? Meta Relics, an NFT group dedicated around preserving our past and building our future through art, from the art brand Iconic, founded by Jeff Cole and Mark Brazil. Jeff Cole has an Instagram page named Cole and basically was famously known on IG for his sneaker mock-ups, making sneakers look like something else entirely, whether it be an animal, person, or concept, incorporating the materials and other unique aspects of a shoe and basically putting them all together to make that creation and highlighting those details of the shoe in the process. It's something you have to see. I was blown away when I was introduced to it at a young age and still to this day have an immense appreciation for his work. Again, Cole, C-O-L-E on Instagram. An example of his work is, say, Kanye's face made out of a Nike Yeezy Red October. Digitally, of course. That was actually his first creation, what started the process for him. And then as he created more of those types of things, he went viral on Instagram. From that point on, his work has only gotten better, and he then channeled his creativity into more business aspect and creating motivational art. Thus emerged the Iconic and the Iconic brand, which makes motivational art canvases. Their IG is at Iconic, I-K-O-N-I-C-K. Highly recommend you check out that as well. I'm a huge admirer of the brand and huge on their creativity and their art and messages seen in their many pieces. I especially love how they're able to gain licenses from brands like Monopoly and NBA to just make such dope art. An example of their work and actually one of my personal favorites is a Monopoly collab piece that writes, Rent due. Success is never owned, only rented. Rent is due every day. And it has the ref in the Monopoly game snack dab in the middle. Anyways, I really admire the way that Jeff has been able to channel his creativity into a business aspect with Iconic and here's a new project in Meta Relics. And I'm more than appreciative of being able to be a part of this project, excited to say the least. Shout out Mark, by the way. I've been able to talk to all these guys in their Discord of this NFT project and they're definitely some cool dudes. And uh, maybe you guys will hear a conversation with them here in the near future.
As for this project, it's all about Meta and the Relic, hence the name. Nobody knows exactly what this project will look like yet, but we've gotten the foundation and core values that this brand is all about. This NFT is a pass to their other NFT projects. Jeff's Sneaks of Nature, which is said to be related to his original type of work with sneakers, but in that a different style. Then you have Relic Punks and the other parodies, which is a derivative of Jeff's original sneaker art. And said this time with the famous projects and creating them out of the most nostalgic things, whether it be a Pop-Tart or, or a Texas Instruments calculator, which you had you know, during like middle school when the teacher would bring out like, you know, those blue calculators. Anyways, as they make more parody like art, I would be a big supporter of that because seeing what it did for sneakers can ultimately translate here. Highlighting unique details can have the same positive effect in NFTs in which I think that they will gain its respect in the space. We've already seen parodies of projects like the Flip Punks or all these fucking apes and some of these projects have actually done really well. Even with basically copying the original which can definitely be considered copyright is why projects like Flip Punks had to be removed off the OpenSea website entirely. But still with this community go for upwards of thousands of dollars uh, on their website which is just wild i think this parody art will be more respected because it's not just copy paste and, and definitely drives focus to aspects and things maybe people didn't think about before seeing that parody uh, they've done a few parodies of the most famous projects like the board apes punks doodles to name a few and looking forward to see the evolving creativity there anyways another side of the project is obviously the iconic brand Recently, they announced that we'll have AMAs with top guys in the business space and other artists, creatives as well. You know, I like the sound of that. An upcoming AMA will be with Damon John from the famously known Shark Tank and FUBU brand. I'm excited for that and can't wait to see the other guests as well. Since this project is only a thousand people, which I also really admire, we get more of a connection with the founders and the community itself. So just having all of that is great to me and made all the sense in the world. There's utility right out the gate and I'm more than confident that the guys behind the project will blow it out of the water when this project is entirely uncovered. It seems to be somewhat under the radar in the NFT space because the founders Jeff and Mark wanted to drop to be organic as possible. With their following already, they were able to gain without again promotion on a big scale. And it's already trading for upward to 4 Ethereum when the mint price was just 0.2. So that's cool to see. I can only imagine what prices get to when they really get down with the whole thing. And obviously messed up not buying more when I could have, but definitely not selling the one that I own. So I'll just roll with my one, I guess. Shout out Brian, by the way. We were in San Diego when this mint happened. He was able to snag one as well. So obviously more than happy that he's on this ride with me. I'll talk about that on another episode, but I want to wrap this episode up with uh, trading cards. Obviously, everyone has seen Drake opening up cards with Ken Golden, as that is obviously the talk of the town in the sports car world, because whenever you have a celebrity like that engaging, it obviously gives it more attraction, and as more people start to figure out what cards actually are, cards get more interest, and then the obvious happens. If you don't know who Ken Golden is, he's famously known for his auction house website, Golden for sports memorabilia and of course trading cards. Just my two cents, Drake ripping cards was crazy. What was crazier was him pulling a Jordan rookie of not one but ultimately five. My favorite part though was when they started talking about their relationship. Drake said Ken had gifted him memorabilia and things like a letter that Tupac wrote to his girlfriend authenticated by Beckett and him explaining why that meant so much to him really resonated with me. This understanding of collectibles and sports cars, Drake really understood. He also called sports cars the hobby, which is a term only sports card people use. I thought that was really cool. Specifically, him saying it because it means he's been around to hear it from these other guys. Because calling something the hobby, I'm sure, is only used in the card space. 
it's too corny to be used in anything else and that might not make too much sense but whatever the reference the hobby is just funny to me but man that was just epic and i had to talk a little bit about that here so two cents again where drake understanding collectibles is just great and drake calling the sports car industry the hobby was just cool and funny i've been going for a big tangent here so i'll just leave it at that i'll cover some of the other things on the next episode for now again i'll just leave you with that have a great rest of your day and i'll catch you on the next one so peace Thank you.